This is Unfocused with Jesse Hofford, and this week we're talking about Christmas rituals and how weird they are, uh, passive-aggressive ad emails, and I'm testing out a new segment called Road Rage, so let's hit that intro music. What is going on, everybody? My name is Jesse. This is Unfocused. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. If you're not a first-time listener, welcome back. Either way, I would be super appreciative if you could leave a little bit of feedback on this because I am trying to make this the best that it can be. Um, Also, click that subscribe button to be notified of future weekly episodes. Thank you very much. So how are we all doing? Everybody have a good week. Uh, it's Friday, weekend's just around the corner, and hoping everybody had a good week back to work, whatever you do, uh, but Thanksgiving is over, we are moving on to Christmas. Christmas is in less than three weeks, I believe, which is insane. It comes faster every year, it seems like. Uh, I'm not sure what everybody out, what y'all are doing for Christmas, but, uh, this weekend, doing a little, uh, yearly tradition is we're going out to get in our tree. We get a tree every year. We cut it down. We use uh, a real tree. Uh, each year, it's just a, a family ritual. And uh, actually, it's one of the topics of this week is Christmas rituals and how weird they are when you really think about it. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. We go out and we uh, go to a farm and we pick our tree like they do in a uh, Christmas vacation, except our tree never really glows when we find the perfect one, but what are you going to do? But yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. I enjoy it. It's something I've been doing since I was a kid. And uh, it's actually what I'm going to be talking about here first is Christmas rituals and how strange they are when you really stop to think about it. So I'm not the only one out there that gets a real tree. Uh, I know lots of pe- uh, lots of other people get real trees my fiance's family uses a real tree as well and you don't really think of it as being super bizarre while you're doing it because it's just something you do something you do every year but when you really stop and you think about the whole process of going out and cutting down a tree and bringing it back to your house it's a little bizarre and i'm not sure what the origin of of getting a tree is but I just kind of had this thought uh every year around this time about these different rituals that we do and I kind of got to thinking about the whole tree one and when you break it down which I'm going to do I'm going to break down excruciating detail into uh the whole process of picking out a tree a Christmas tree so buckle up it's going to be super exciting so every year we go out and we get a tree and so you 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 pile everybody into the car the station wagon suv whatever you've got and it's like you're going hunting for this for this christmas tree so you got everybody piled into the car like a gang of wild hunters looking for a wildebeest 
and you go to this Christmas tree farm and you're stalking these trees. You're looking for the perfect tree to bring back to your house. And you spend, some people spend a few minutes, like they don't really care. They just go in and they're like, oh, cool. Let's grab that one. And there's other people that want the tree. They want that God tier, perfectly manicured, all natural, super green, nice fluffy needles. Uh, they want that that perfect tree. And they will. some people will spend hours looking for, for that perfect tree. And then when you do find it, you whip out your saw and you separate the tree from the life-giving earth, essentially murdering your tree in front of all of its tree friends. And then you drag the body over to where they, to the tree wranglers, you got you you know what the guys I'm talking about, right? You drag your tree over and it's those, those, those teenagers that work on the farm and they're wearing like their local high school hoodie and the Carhartt jacket and the old jeans and the boots. Yeah, the tree wranglers. Because what they do is, first they take your tree and they put it on that weird machine where it shakes it and it gets all the needles off. But you know that doesn't really work all that well because as soon as you get it home and you unwrap the tree, you got 7 million needles all over your floor that you then have to vacuum up. But it gets rid of some of the needles and then they run it through that string thing and they, they, uh, they, what's the word I'm looking for? Secure your, your tree, your, your, your trophy tree. That's hard to say your trophy tree. And then you pay for it and you hold it, you hold your tree up to see how tall it is. And it's like, you see on TV, those fishing tournaments where they hold up their fish and they see, you know, how, how big their fish is. That's essentially the same thing. What you're doing is you're you're measuring how big of a tree you got, and then you pay for it, and then you throw it in the back of your truck or on top, or you strap it to the top of your car, and then you take it home. And this is where it gets weird. <laughs> so you take it home, and you take it out of the string, and you put it, you set it up in your tree holder, and you got this dead tree sitting in your house for two weeks, three weeks, whenever you get your your Christmas tree. But not only that is you then decorate the dead tree in your house and you, you know, you put your, uh, your lights on it and your garland and your ornaments and all what have you. And you just, you, you know, once you're done, you stand there and you admire it and you turn the lights on and everybody's like, Ooh, ah, yay. That's so pretty. <sighs> Never mind that you have this dead tree in your house. Uh, and then you like your neighbors come over and they say, oh, wow, your tree is so nice. It's such a nice Christmas tree. And then you go over to their house and you say the same thing. And it's like, you're comparing trophies. You're like, yeah, I went out and I hunted this tree down and I found it and I cut it down and I dragged it back to my house and now it's on display for everybody to see. And I just imagine like people with like their war stories trading war stories back and forth of finding their tree the perfect tree and this and that and then maybe there's one guy who every year he takes a piece of it and he put he mounts it up on his wall so every year he's got like a tree branch from each tree that he's gotten over the years and he's just so proud of all these trees that he's cut down 
I bet there's that one guy out there. Maybe you're listening. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. And then Christmas is over. You take your tree down. You put all the ornaments away. You take the lights and everything off. And then you just throw its carcass out with the uh, trash afterwards because it's over. Christmas is over. You don't need it anymore. Uh, But then there's those people like me who take their tree out in the yard and then they leave it sit until like March (laughs) and because they're too lazy to put it out with the trash. Uh, And then by that, by that time, it's just like a tumbleweed sitting there in your yard with no needles. All the needles are gone. It's deader than dead. And it's just sitting there like a ghost. It's a ghost tree. Uh, until the day finally comes, like mid-April, where you're like, oh, that's a Christmas tree. I should probably put it out for the trash. And then they haul it away. And then you do it all over again uh, when Christmas comes around. So it's just a cycle. This weird tree hunting, decorating, dead body having in your house type of cycle. So that's the one ritual that I thought was super weird when you really you know, sit down and think about it. The other one is Santa Claus. If you have kids and they believe in Santa Claus, turn this off uh, because. All right, so Santa Claus. This one always got me, especially, you know, when I became an adult and I really thought about it. Uh, First, let's go over the origin of Santa Claus. We're going to learn something this week. We're going to learn a little bit of backstory on old uh, St. Nick here. Uh, The origin of Santa Claus was a gentleman way back in the year, like, 270 A.D., so a long time ago. His name was St. Nicholas. Now, we we know that name. But St. Nicholas was this bishop way back when in, uh, like, ancient Greece, I think. Yeah, ancient Greece. He was this uh, bishop that would give gifts out to the needy and uh, the sick just to like cheer them up and everything like that just to help out you know those in need all that kind of thing nice guy uh and then from there he just mutated into what we know today as santa claus the guy in the red suit who gets in the sleigh and he uses like quantum entanglement and all that stuff to deliver toys to every child in the world uh in one night that's how we got there i don't know but when you really look at that through the uh, lens of being a grown-up essentially what we're saying to our children is hey timmy uh you know who santa claus is no well he's this old guy who lives up in the north pole who you know watches you and what you're doing uh he even knows when you're sleeping so he watches you sleep and if you're good, he breaks into your house and he leaves gifts for you. Uh, he also drinks your milk and eats your cookies. <laughs> so that just, what? That doesn't sound like good at all, but it's like, it's common, it's common socially acceptable behavior to, to tell this story. And it's just, it's wild. I just don't understand how we got from good old St. Nicholas giving gifts to the needy and sick to this magical guy who uh, watches everything you do. How does he, how does he do it? Does he have satellites? 
does he have does he have like his own satellite network where he can watch everybody or know what they're doing is he tracking location in your phone is he working with the NSA and the KGB on, on all this to keep tabs on everybody like how does he do it what's the what's the story behind how he can watch everybody I just imagine him in like this NORAD like you've ever seen Polar Express it's one of my favorite Christmas movies but in the Polar Express uh, up in the North Pole there's like this command center where they have video feeds from all over the world of these kids and they get an alert when the kid does something bad so Santa Claus knows not to give that kid a present and I kind of imagine if all this was real sorry kids listening uh, spoiler alert but um I imagine if all this was real that's how it would be like this big NORAD style command center with satellite feeds and real-time social media information streaming and all these elves are like watching and you know pinging Santa Claus of of kids that won't be getting any toys for Christmas that's kind of how I envision it uh you know in today's society and uh the whole thing about how he delivers delivers the gifts all in one night. There was I forget which movie it was. It was one of those Netflix originals, but they had a pretty cool visualization of how he did it. It was basically like time travel, like he slowed down time and just went through like time streams and everything like that, which is kind of cool. Uh, like a sci-fi element to it instead of just, oh, he uses Christmas magic to deliver all the toys. Uh, so that's kind of like what I think, how I think it would work. He would use like, I don't know what the word is, but um, faster than light, faster than light travel. That's what it was. That's the word I was looking for. He uses faster than light travel to deliver all the toys. That's how he makes all the deliveries in one night. Uh, otherwise, it would take him probably years to make all those deliveries. But yeah, that's my that's my philosophy on Santa Claus. Uh, another kind of strange ritual that we do every year. Uh, so yeah, that's my little uh, thought process. Uh, what's not rant, but discussion on Christmas rituals. We take we cut down trees and we bring them back to our house and we decorate them, and then we tell our kids that there's an old guy that lives up in the North Pole who watches everything we do and casts judgment upon us. Uh, and then he, you know, gives us toys or lumps of coal, depending on our uh, our performance in the year. Moving on to the other thing I wanted to talk about was emails from companies. Last week, I was talking about this little uh, social experiment I was doing where I wasn't deleting any of the Black Friday emails that I got. Uh, on Black Friday, at the end of the day, I was up to a little over a hundred, a little over a hundred emails from companies asking me to buy things. What? And yeah, like I said last time, I could un unsubscribe. Yeah, that's a truck, truck going up the street. Last week, I said I could uh, just. I told myself, like, yeah, you should just unsubscribe for all these companies, but I don't have time for that. And also, I'm too lazy, so I just deal with it. 
I'll get to it eventually, but I don't know when. But anyway, yeah, Black Friday and Cyber Monday every year is the yearly deluge of emails. Uh, deluge, that's that's a new word. Uh, learning another thing today. Uh, it means a lot, like a deluge of water. But anyway, yeah, uh, an onslaught of emails every year. And I got one the other day. It was from this company. I forget the name. But it was like one of those passive-aggressive ones. You, we, you, we've all gotten those where you the the uh, – what's the word? Subject line. That's it. The subject was like, are you mad at us? Did we do something wrong? Those kind of emails. And you open up and it's like, we haven't heard from you in a long time. Are you mad at us? Did we – did, was it something we said? That those kind of uh, annoying passive-aggressive emails, like they try to make you feel bad. Like there's this guy sitting there writing writing out these emails, and he's like, I'm going to make this guy feel like a piece of, piece of dirt. Watch. And they, they try to use – it's a mind game. They try to get in your head, and they try to make you feel guilty because then you're like, oh, no, you didn't do anything wrong. What, what kind of deals you got? Let me, uh, let me see, you know. What kind of deals you got? Because now I feel bad because I feel like I'm ignoring you. It's a mind game. And it's all just in your head. And those are the kind of emails I don't I don't like. I mean, I don't like ad emails to begin with. But when they try to pull that kind of stuff, that's just gets on. That's That's not okay, in my opinion. Did we hurt your feelings? Are you mad at us? No, I'm not mad at you. I just forgot you existed. Because I wanted to buy something from your company like nine years ago, and then I didn't, and then I forgot, and now this is the first email I'm getting from you in seven or eight years. So no, I'm not mad, I just forgot you were there, that's all. So moving on to the final thing here, Uh, I'm testing something out this week, don't know how it's going to work, but uh, see if y'all like it. It's a little segment called Road Rage. Uh, So I don't know if it's going to be. It's probably not going to be every week. Maybe like once a month uh, we'll have this segment come up. But um, yeah, so you get ready. This is Road Rage. Ah, yes. Driving. I love driving and a lot all that comes with it, uh, especially the other people on the road and having to deal, not just the other people on the road, but just everything about driving and using the, uh, the roads in general. Uh, so for this first segment, this inaugural segment uh, edition of this Road Rage, segment uh tell you a little story happened to me last year it's not about drivers in particular it's more about uh the department of transportation around here uh and how they dropped the ball so about a year ago november we had a like a surprise snowstorm right and this is you know the east coast we get a fair amount of snow around here and just you'd think that 
the uh, DOT would prepare, especially if they had a day or two before the storm actually came, but they didn't. So what happened was I'm driving, I'm at, I'm at, you know, I'm at work and they let us go early cause the weather was getting bad. So I'm like, sweet, get to go home early. So I'm driving home and the road's already covered. There's probably two or three inches on the roads and already it's causing issues. So, you know, like a good driver, I take my time. I keep my distance from the people in front of me, all that jazz. And I, you know, I get on the highway, it's going super slow. And none of the plows around, like I'm seeing plows and they're driving around, but they're not plowing anything, like at all. And I'm like, oh, I see one on the highway. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's weird. He's not plowing anything. But then I didn't really think anything of it. So I'm on my way home. I, get, I move on to another highway on my way back to my house. And uh, I get off onto the side road because I see that the highway is slowing. You know, it's backing up like people aren't moving. And I didn't really want to get stuck in that. So I, I get off at the next off-ramp. And I'm on back roads now. And I see other plows. And they're not plowing either. I haven't seen a single plow, uh, you know, getting rid of the snow yet. And then I'm, you know, continuing on my way, going slow. Uh, it's This is like an hour now. It usually takes me 20 minutes to get home. So I'm sitting at like a solid hour at this point. And I'm getting ready to go up this hill. And I can't make it up the hill. Actually, nobody can make it up the hill. So there were probably two or three cars ahead of me. And I can see these cars like sliding and they can't make it up the hill and the people in front of me are turning around. And so like, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm going to turn around too. And then I see yet another plow not plowing. And I'm just, I'm, I'm like screaming to myself in the car. Like, why is nobody plowing? What are my tax dollars paying for? Like you, there's snow all over the roads and there's nobody like there's nobody getting rid of it and there's just the whole way it's i think it was like two hours it took me two hours to get home because of backups on the highway and people getting stuck and it's just the insanity of the snow and how nobody uh prepared for it and like i was just i was done at that point like i got home and like I was ready to go to bed, but yeah. So I think they learned from that because after that snow came through, there were like people stranded and they couldn't get home. And I think even my fiance got stuck somewhere and she had to like abandon her car. But I think after that, they kind of learned, and we had another, and we had another storm uh, this past weekend, and it was they actually did what they were supposed to do and treated the roads beforehand. So that's the moral of the story is they kind of, uh, yeah, learned what learned, uh, um, a valuable lesson. Uh, uh, nobody got hurt last year, thankfully, just a lot of angry people and, uh, cars stranded. But the thing is nobody was hurt that I'm aware of. Um, but yeah, so that was, uh, Road Rage.
let me know what you guys think in the comments if I should keep doing this or uh, bag it. Uh, just uh, wanted to try something new here. Um, that about wraps it up for this week. I appreciate everyone who listened. Um, like I just said a little bit ago, or uh, at the start of this, I would love feedback on this. Um, leave a rating. Tell me what you thought. Uh, you can follow me on social media, um, Twitter and Instagram, at the Jesse Hofford as well, to uh, let me know what you thought. And then I also run a website as well called 209West, and the, um, the uh, address is uh, 209-west.com. Uh, so once again, thank you for listening, and uh, I hope all of you have a great weekend. And until uh, next week, take it easy.